Greetings and welcome to Marley Ramon's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast, where we'll discuss the art and stylings of Ryan Marlett. The artwork is all over the place, so be advised it could be fun, but it could be dark. It might be a painting, drawing, sculpture, Halloween prop, action figure or song. Each episode will feature a piece or pieces and the insight behind them. Hopefully you'll like some stuff, other things you may not. No worries. Chances are also that you'll likely be offended at some point but hopefully we'll also share some laughs along the way. Art has always been a part of Ryan's life and this is a way to document his work and share it with you. If you get butthurt easily, consider this your warning. Besides, your mom likes his artwork. Listener discretion is advised. Good day, Marley mates, and welcome to the fourth and final installment of this October's Halloween extravaganza four-part series. Nothing really any different from any of the rest of the work that I've done, but just because of the fact that it's October and it's Halloween, we're going to talk about it in that sort of way. The final piece that we have for the month of October is is really one that uh, symbolizes to me what the epitome of October and Halloween and autumn and spookiness kind of are all about. This is an upcycled piece, much like several of the other pieces that I've done before. Dimensions are 18 by 24. I finished it on 19 August of the year 2022, and it is labeled, titled, Code Orange. Code Orange is something that you'll often hear from Halloween nerds and enthusiasts, whenever merch starts to hit the shelves, they'll say, we've got a code orange at Michael's or the Dollar Tree or whatever the shit, you know, wherever they find Halloween merch and we lose our shit because it's July 5th and it's like, oh crap, here it is. We've only got so much time before Halloween. Yeah, we love that. We eat it up. And so code orange it is. And I think to me, must have been while I was working on this piece, just kind of felt like, well, here we are in August, getting ready to wrap things uh, into that direction where we're in full swing of Halloween stuff and things. Because by that point, it's more or less some of the back to school stuff is getting off the shelves. The Halloween merch is in full swing. And, and here we have it. So this is an upcycled thrift shop find. And it was a poster that I found from the 1996 equine festival poster mounted on foam board i found it in a thrift shop at a salvation army in greece new york and i remember seeing it and i was thinking it had potential but i passed on it initially because it was just a photograph and it wasn't exactly um the usual type of thrift shop piece that i would upcycle but then i decided to go back and get it and i took it apart and i took it out of the frame and i was a little surprised that it was to find it that it was mounted on foam board and because it had text on the piece, I decided to blast over the top quarter of the piece with some white spray paint to help cover up the text. And then I blended that into the skyline. 
of the original photo. And I did the same thing at the bottom with some black. I made it kind of more of a vignette finish. Um, I used some random spray paint colors that's high in the dark, but autumn skyline with some oranges and yellows. And I, I faded it up into the into a starry nighttime sky. From there, I, I just I used a speckle technique to get some stars in place and then added like a large creepy castle up on the hill. And it's primarily silhouetted against the sky, but there's some subtle enough details to have just a little bit of a presence to it. Now, from that point on, I'm going to I'm going to pause and I'm going to tell you why I did what I did with this piece. What I didn't mention was that this piece has a horse with a rider jumping over uh, an obstacle as people who ride horses and show horses and and what have you do. It was uh, an equestrian type poster and so of course like to me that says only one option that I have to work with and that's to simply utilize Washington Irving's classic short story from 1820, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I can't think of uh, a better way to utilize this piece than to showcase that. That has to be something that I, I do with this, and that's absolutely what I did. But when I think of that story, when I think of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the quintessential version of that comes alive in the animated short. Originally, the second half of the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad from 1949, the Disney animated short. It's a classic. Bing Crosby singing narration and the classic tale of humor and suspense is the perfect depiction of this story. I can't think of anything more classically Halloween than this lore. Just hearing the mere title of it or thinking of its visualization, my mind immediately travels to a cold, crisp, rural setting with rustling leaves, country roads, colors everywhere, pumpkins and other seasonal decor fill the field of sight. I can practically smell a wood-burning fireplace and the aroma of rich cider and, and pies. It just feels like Halloween. It's truly all things autumn and although set so long ago, it feels somewhat timeless even. As our world keeps evolving, a story like this can continue to have the same effect on those who love a scary tale. When you see a man on horseback to this day, we think nothing of it. But it was a primary mode of transportation once. No longer, but now remove the, the head from that rider and replace it with a fierce jack-o'-lantern and suddenly the entire setting changes. Something so simple we can raise the level of eerie and make every hair on the back of your neck stand up. Well, not mine, because, well, <laughs> I had mine removed, but that's another story. I now have the background pretty much established. So now I, I wanted to focus on the rider and the horse itself. I went to work on detailing the rider and the horse, played to the position the rider was in already, and sketched a large, collared, long, dark cloak on him. I kept the hands positions as positioned as they were and added a pumpkin head and later detailed this absolutely just angry jack-o'-lantern face onto it. And I added flames escaping from its eyes and its mouth. 
Typically, most depictions of the Headless Horseman have him riding on a regular horse or even just like a big, like a black stallion with red eyes or something to that effect. I decided to make this horse somewhat supernatural as well by painting a full-bodied skeleton over top of it. I love it. I, I really I, I like how it's turned out. Um, when I painted the horse, I used like an off-white cream color for the bone pattern. And then I also went over that several times in some blues and some some blacks and grays to just really make certain elements pop. And it, it, it works. I feel like it's it's the type of thing that that it uh, it, it shows that the, the actual horse is still there. You can absolutely still see the, the full outline and silhouette of the, the actual the beast itself. But then you've got the, the horse on it too. So um yeah. The main horse shape and outline are intact, like I said, and the skeletal features are prominent and draws your eye to the whole package. Not the horse's package, but just the, the package deal of the entire thing. But the, and the horse, too, also has flames coming out of its nostrils and its eyes, and as it's jumping over the wooden fence, in place of where the red, there's a red flag mounted on like a stone, uh, like a whatever the barricade was where the wooden planks had gone into. There's on the original photograph, there was a, a red flag, and I turned that red flag into a into a um, torch, and so it's like a lit torch with a a flame on the side there as well, and it's burning up along the brickwork. And at the very bottom edge of the piece, I blasted uh, a stripe of orange paint, and then I laid down. I had gotten five jack-o'-lantern like wooden cutouts and did just like a quick blast of black over top of them to accentuate their features. And the tops of the rows of pumpkins, it kind of fades into the overall image. And so it, it helps to kind of just add like, like an extra layer of something to take your eye away from what looks like a traditional picture overall would have like that embellishment at the bottom with the, the rows of jack-o'-lanterns. And so it's more of like a, a design feature rather than just like part of the piece, if that makes any sense. And so the frame originally was like a green color and it matched very much. It went very well with the, the original color scheme of the, of the poster and, and the original colors that were in the photograph. And I wanted to keep a part of that as it was. So what I did was I maintained the bottom of the frame in that green color scheme, but at the top... I blasted some gloss black along the top edge, and then I also splattered some more white stars on top of the gloss black so that it kind of just gravitates upwards and off of the piece right onto the frame. And so it's almost like one collective cohesive unit, and I really like how that, that came together too. But overall, um, I look at this, and to me it seems like it's... It's meant to be. It, it's almost kind of hard to tell where the photograph was and where other things are. And it's very different. Like, obviously, the photograph is very realistic, whereas the, 
the painting over top of it and the drawing over top of that is not. And it's, it's very thick line work. There's a lot of just detail and classic dots. Some of the images are, uh, some of the, the areas of the piece are very, um, almost abstract, whereas others are much more realistic. Like for example, when you look at the castle in the background, you can just barely see it. You can just barely tell that it's there and there's a mist around it and it just kind of fades up into the piece and it, it works. And then when you look at the, the headless horseman himself and the horse, it's super, super detailed, but the detail is very thick, like very heavy line work, very uh, robust in terms of just accentuated details and kind of just non-traditional. It's it just, but it all kind of ties together. And then you've got like a focal area. If you look in the middle where the horse is jumping, it's very bright. And I, it's, I practically didn't touch the background of that at all. And it doesn't look as if it's part of the, the blue sky like it originally was. To me, I just see it as part of that mist overall. And it just, it, it, it comes together, it works. And I, I just, I love how this piece worked out. It was um, unintentional. It wasn't something that I had set out to do originally. And like I said, with the, the uh, original pass, I, I went past it. I wasn't going to get this. And then I decided to go ahead and do so anyways. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did because I, it's probably one of my more favorite pieces that I've ever done. And I love the, the pumpkin and the flames, but I really, my favorite part of the whole thing is the horse. But then, I don't know, I really like the house, too, the, the haunted house, the castle in the background. It's just very subtle, and the way it, it comes together, I just, I don't know, you tell me. Check it out. Look at the, the befores and afters on the Facebook and in the Instagram. Leave your comments. Tell me what you think. What did you like? What didn't you like? You're not going to hurt my feelings, but I hope that this is a great way to kind of tie up the, uh, the four-part series for the October sessions. and leave you feeling good about how you spent your October. And I'll tell you what, I, I can't be more thankful or grateful for you taking the time to listen to the show. It means so much to me. Uh, I want to wish everyone a happy Halloween. Be safe, right? Kids, have your parents check your candy. Parents, take at least half those little bastards candy because they don't need it all, right? They'll never miss it. Hell, I was going to do that anyways, but you know, whatever. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's time to go to bed, but listen, uh, every day is Halloween. We know that, but when it's actually the, the real deal, you got to just like jump in feet first. So have at it, have fun, watch lots of scary pictures, uh, scare the kids, dress up. It's always fun to dress up, do your thing, have a good time and just go crazy because that's how we roll. Hey, Marley mates. What's that you ask? Where can I get my official Marley Ramones Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast merch? Well, I'll tell you. Head on over to Spreadshirt.com and you can find a whole plethora of different things. We got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, coffee mugs, you name it. So you can rock out with your gear on. What did you think I was going to say? Go on over, show some love, and uh, sport your podcast gear like a boss.
Okay, folks, thank you for joining again this week. Art is a powerful thing, and I appreciate your willingness to hear my stories. And if you keep listening, I'll keep talking. I urge you to do what makes you happy, and never accept anyone that treats you less than. Have the courage to be you and try things on. Besides, every day is Halloween. Special thanks to our friends at Pecan Pie and Subsonic Voodoo for providing these epic musical selections. To see these works as discussed, follow on Facebook at Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast page or on Instagram at MRMMHOD. You can find this podcast on most major streaming platforms. And most importantly, if there's one thing that you take away from this stupid little podcast, it's to remember that you are not alone ever. Dial 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or Veterans Crisis Line, also 988, then press 1 or text to 838-255. Until next time, be creative and go tell someone you love them.